The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. My name is Joni Siegel, and I am the host for this podcast. Today's episode is episode number 252. It is February in the year 2022, and we sincerely hope that this is the year that you or your loved ones become clean and sober. We have an Instagram account, and I love hearing from people who have maintained their sobriety. So if you have become clean and sober and have maintained your sobriety, reach out to us and let us know, because we just hope that we're reaching people, but we don't often hear back from you. So let us know if this podcast is helping you in any way. That's our purpose, is to help you and to give you hope. We have done a couple of episodes where we talk about Purdue Pharma and the Sackler family. We, do, we are going to do a couple more of those. But today we have an interview. And today's interview is uh, with a woman named Pam Gaslow. She has designed catalogs for J. Crew. She's performed stand-up comedy, even worked as Henri Bendel's only female security guard. She has had an eventful life, including once being threatened by her family with disownment over, over her depressed hot girl blog. And it's about to get even more so with her personal confessional, Don't Bring Your Vibrator to Rehab, a somewhat comedic memoir. It's a hilarious chronicle of her journey towards sobriety from a toxic marijuana addiction. Told with candor, honesty, absurdism, and the trademark wit that has brought her to comedy club stages across the country. Before I introduce Pam Gaslow and have her tell us her story, I want to remind you to please subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, um, we send out an email every week with not only just the um, episode that has gone up, but we recently have been sending out information about how you can write to the Department of Justice and ask them to please wear their hat and do their job as regards prosecuting the Sacklers for criminal activities with the marketing of OxyContin. So if you would like to be on our email list, please go to our website, theaddictionpodcast.com, and you can sign up there. We won't spam you. I send out an email a week. The only time you'll ever get more than one a week is when I have been negligent, excuse me, and not sent out the email the week before. So for that, I apologize. But we don't sell the names. We don't you know, we're not interested in marketing any products to you guys. We just want to keep you informed about the podcast. Also, please give us a good rating because that helps Google put us there at the top of the list so that people can find us. We've got a YouTube channel, which I'm sure you know by now. So please go to our YouTube channel and subscribe and also give us a thumbs up there on our various videos. Let's talk to Pam Gaslow. So Pam Gaslow, right? Yes. Thank you for being on the podcast today. I appreciate you being willing to share your story with us. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Because we know that every time someone tells a story and shares their own story, we know it resonates with people who are listening. So that's, that's kind of why we do this. So take us back to the beginning. Where did you grow up? Um, I know I read in your bio that your your drug of choice was marijuana. How did how did you get into that? How did that all evolve? Uh, it's funny. I interesting. I 
didn't talk about this in the book, but the first time I, I smoked pot, I think I was probably like 14 or 15. And I think I was just like a regular pot smoker, not too much really. And then when, one night in high school, I had a really bad experience and I kind of had like a panic attack, which is, I guess, what it was, what I found out in hindsight. And I, I didn't smoke for many years. And then in college, I, I started to a little bit again. So I was like really scared and traumatized from that night. And I just thought I was going to die. Like, that's all I kept saying. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. So that was just like a bad experience. But then, um, you know, through college, I, I smoked a little bit. But then after I graduated from college, I think um, I, you know, I was living alone in New York City and somebody left a bong in my apartment. And then I just, you know, I was like, oh, well, this seems like not such a big deal. So then I started, um, you know, smoking on the regular then and drinking a lot. So okay. that's, you know, how that all progressed. Okay. So it's interesting. And I'm, and I have to just kind of make an editorial comment that I'm really glad that you're talking about marijuana because well, you know, we will get flack because there are so many people who think that marijuana is the greatest thing since sliced bread and it should be legalized across the boards everywhere. And so when we can talk to someone like yourself, who's had bad experiences with it, and would you say you became addicted to marijuana? Oh, completely. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, people say, oh, it's not addictive. You know, you can't get addicted to it. Well, that it's not true. And so I, I appreciate you telling, you know, your experience because obviously it was addictive. So when you had the bad experience, Pam, did you suspect, was it laced with something else maybe? I or? did. I, that was my reaction. And I was like screaming, it's laced. I mean, I was, you know, 16 years old and I was screaming, it's laced, but so many other people smoke the same pot, so nothing happened to them. So I don't know, just something in my body that didn't react well. Right, right. Yeah. And, and the other thing I've said many times on the podcast is that really when you do drugs, whether it's marijuana or any other kind of drug or alcohol, you're playing Russian roulette. You don't know how it's going to affect you, you know, and uh, I could have smoked the same joint and been just fine and it didn't react well with you. You know, that's, so that's also it's in a way it's good that that happened to me at that time because it scared me so much from doing other drugs, which I, I've never tried any other drug. So I was literally I like what you just said. I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to react. I felt like I was going to be the girl that jumped out the window. So it made me terrified. Right. So you picked it up again in college. Yeah. OK. And then how did it progress from there? Um, you know, I mostly drank a lot in college and I didn't smoke a lot of pot. And then when I got out of college, I was drinking a bottle of wine a night by myself and smoking a joint. And that's when I was like ready to talk, call people on the phone. Cause I was, you know, in a good mood and it was just kind of sad and it was like progressing and, you know, from there, I eventually at 26 got sober. I had someone come into my life who had basically lost everything and was like right out of treatment. And I looked at him and I thought this could be my future. And he, he 12 stepped me and he told me to go to an AA meeting. And, and I did. And that's when I first got sober, I was 26 years old. Wow. Yeah. And then did you stay clean and sober or? I stayed sober for seven and a half years. 
completely sober and my life got really good. And then on one New Year's Eve, I had a bad feeling and I went to my boyfriend at the time. I went to his house and I was, it was like seven people. And I just had a very negative feeling about it. And I was the only sober person. And when nobody was looking, I picked a bong up on the coffee table and I, I did a bong hit. And then, then I started kind of slowly going down and I would smoke a little bit and then, and then eventually every day, all day. And then when I was 38, I went to rehab for the first time and I stayed sober eight years after that. Um, So, you know, I, I had some, most of my adult years I've been sober and then after eight years, which I talked, that's when the book picks up. That's where the book starts. I, it was, it's again, I wish this was a more exciting, glamorous story and it's not. And I was, you know, with a guy also, and he had a bong and I let him blow smoke in my mouth. I mean, I tell this story and it sounds so immature to me when I'm listening to myself talk, but I get, you know, it's like in an instant, you can just have like a weak moment and and just get, you know, be vulnerable and just give in. And you're like, okay, whatever. And then that triggered me into smoking 24 seven around the clock for two years until I went to rehab again, which is in the book where I talk about in the book. Okay. So how long have you been clean and sober now? Two and a half years. Okay, cool. And was there anything different about this rehab from the earlier times that you did it? Um, so this was my second stint in rehab and yes, I think the first rehab, I think I was just so unhappy and I just, I feel like it was some, a little bit was luck. I only stayed there eight days and I stayed sober eight years. And, you know, I write in the book that they say sobriety is not for people who, you know, need it. It's for people who want it. So I think I really wanted it. And I also hated rehab so much that I just never wanted to go back. Mm. So Um, But the second time, I just think mentally and emotionally, it it impacted me more. And the the staff was just way more helpful and, you know, bringing, just bringing, helping me understand like myself and how I treat myself and how I, you know, my thinking and changing my thinking and all these kinds of things. And like that, you're not a bad person because you're in treatment, you're a sick person getting well, and that it's, you know, it's a, it's an esteemable act to help yourself and to be there. You know, when you get to rehab, you're at such a low point that you just, your self-esteem is so poor and you just, you, I hated myself, but, you know, to flip that around and look at it as a positive, like, no, you're, you're a strong, brave person for coming here, not a loser for being here. I think that's, you make a very good point there because you, you're exactly right. You're not a loser for going to rehab. You have to be, based on everything I've heard, you have to be incredibly strong to get through rehab. It's not, it's not easy. Yeah. And, you know, you've done it more than once, so you know that. And, and also the impulse to, like, want to leave there and want to run away. And, like, I literally thought to myself, like, where are you going to go if you leave? Like, are you going to go home and continue doing the same thing for how many years? Like you can't go, you can't leave, you're stuck, you know? Yeah. But it takes a confront. It takes a heavy duty confront. 
I think, to, to go through rehab because you have to, first of all, confront the fact that you need help and that maybe you can't do it by yourself, all of which I think are very hard things for a lot of us to, you know, to realize that maybe we need someone else to help us get through it. So, so this rehab was, di- you think it was different the one you did two and a half years ago? It was different. And also I, I really connected more with the people there. I was there for longer. um, How long were you there? I was there for two weeks. Okay. um, Which I know is not your standard rehab uh, length of stay. And I'm not telling anyone what to do with, you know, that was the time I was willing to go for. And um. Yeah, it just it just was a just a better experience than than the previous time. That's awesome. And it takes whatever it takes. I mean, for some people, maybe it takes six months for others. We've talked to and it takes a year. And for you, if it's two weeks, that's fine. There is no there's no cookie cutter recovery. Exactly. There just isn't, you know, it took me a year to get the guts to go to rehab. Yeah. <laughs> Let's yeah. talk about how much time I spent procrastinating that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what is your life like now that you're, you've been clean and sober for two and a half years? What's it like? What's different? It's like, first of all, just a huge relief. I mean, I lived with like a monkey on my back and every single day was just torture. And I felt horrible about myself because I knew I was doing something bad for myself every day, all day. So that basically destroyed me. And, you know, when you're in treatment, like they say, if you didn't get high today, you're a winner. And I think the further you, the further way you get from your, you know, actually being in treatment, you know, more real life comes back in and you, you know, you, you're so hard on your, I'm so hard on myself. Like, what did I do? What have I accomplished? What am I doing? And I have to remember that staying sober every day is an accomplishment for me. Huge. And that's number one, yeah. right? Like I'm not putting a substance in my body and I'm not trying to change my mood with anything. So that is number one. And, you know, I just, I live in Miami and I live like a healthy lifestyle and I exercise. I'm outside all the time. I write, I see friends and it's, you know, I don't do anything crazy. I mean, it's just, it's just a normal, you know, normal life, but it's, it's healthy and it's good and nothing's so crazy. Nothing's extreme and it's not exciting all the time, but that's like part of the addiction of wanting something to take me to, you know, another place. And so I, I mostly try to do that with just with working out or exercise now. And I'm not crazy about it, but just like I said, just trying to be like healthy one day at a time. You are listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information on the podcast or to reach out, if you have a story you would like to share with us, go to our Facebook page by the same name or you can email us at theaddictionpodcast at yahoo.com or go to our website, theaddictionpodcast.com or call us at 727-314-7080. And please remember to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and give us a five-star review. Sometimes the hardest thing about getting someone into recovery is getting them to agree to treatment. Bobby Newman a certified drug counselor with 30 years experience and an over 85% success rate as an interventionist has created a series of 12 videos that you can use right now to learn every step to get your loved one to agree to treatment. 
Call 1-833-918-0008 today and say the word podcast to get a 10% discount. Or go to newmaninterventions.com and type in the word podcast for a 10% discount. This service comes with a free one-hour consultation with Bobby. And I think that's huge because I think the main thing that you, you end up doing is that you, you have to live life without the crutch of, you know, uh, marijuana or alcohol. You have to, you know, you have to confront it like everybody else does, but get through it. And it's, it's maybe a little bit more difficult because you've, you've gone through what you've gone through, but you're doing it. And I think that that's huge. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we always like to say to people, if you're listening, you know, anybody can do it but you have to make that decision and you have to just really, you have to care enough about yourself, I would say, you know, to get through something like that. Yeah. I mean, like I was just in such a dark place and such a hopeless place. And I just, you know, I'll basically do anything to avoid going back there. And I know it doesn't work for me. And it's like, that's it. End of story. It's not an option. Right. Pam, when did you write your book? I should say I haven't drank in 20, almost six years. Okay, good. Oh, it's okay. Um, I wrote the book um, probably three years ago. Okay. Um, And which I, I procrastinated with that too. And I wrote it when, and then I, then I put it on the shelf for a long time. And then I think when the pandemic came and I, I started writing a lot more because there was really nothing else to do when we were in a lockdown. And I thought to myself, you know what, like you, you should publish this. It's like now or never. And, it, you know, it's a good story. It's a good message. And, you know, it's like they say, take an action and let go of the results. I'm like, I'm just going to put this out in the world and I'm not getting any younger. So, <laughs> well, and it sounds like it's a funny book. It is funny also. And my I mother like... was reading it last night and she, oh, yeah? my mother started reading it and then she was like traumatized. So she put it down and she's like, she's like, I just read a lot more. It's really funny. And I'm like, oh, yeah. You know, I don't, I think I like the fact that you're, you brought some humor into your story because there's nothing humorous about drug addiction. And, you know, it's why we do what we do because we know that people die from, overdoses and it's it's a it's a horrific pandemic that continues to face this country and the fact that you can add some humor into your story i think it's huge i really do also i've read you know i've read a bunch of books a bunch of memoirs and books you know about by addicts and most of them are not funny right and so i figured you know this isn't a tragic like i'm not a heroin addict in an alley but it's still you know, they say, you know, identify, don't compare. And, you know, my feelings inside were still what they were, no matter what my drug was or, or whatever. So when someone says, you know, I can't identify, I, I did coke or I did heroin or I did meth, I understand that, but that's not the point. It's like, you know, psychologically, spiritually, mentally, where we all go when we're in these, you know, when we're in these hopeless places. And, like I said, I've never read a funny book except like maybe Carrie Fisher's Postcards from the Edge, which, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm like, there's so many funny, you know, it's, this, you got to laugh at it because it's so ridiculous at times, you know, so much of it. And it's like, yeah, some of it's funny and stupid. So you can make like make it also humorous and, you know, why not? <laughs> I like that. I really do, because it it's a very 
<clears throat> it's a serious subject, but it doesn't it doesn't have to always be addressed that way. And you know, ad- addiction is going to take you, as you said, to dark places. So if you can come out the other side, and if humor is the light that you find, why not? Do you yeah. know, you're not making less of addiction. You're just finding something that you know people can relate to, and people can relate to humor. Oh yeah, and the stupid things you do when you're stoned are just you know ridiculous. They're yep. they're funny. They're dumb, but they're funny. Yep, it's true. Oh, the yeah. stupid things you do when you're drunk. You know, <laughs> I I always remember the kids in high school who would get like you know blind drunk every week, and every week they would be throwing up in my front lawn and saying how they'd never ever do it again. And of course, then the next Friday they would be doing it again. And you know, I often feel if if we'd had cell phones, we could have videoed all these people. They would have gone, yeah, maybe I don't want to do that anymore. My God, I know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm grateful they didn't have that when I was drinking because I think I would have been horrified. Yeah, <laughs> I, I understand. Now, are you still doing comedy? Because you've done you've actually done comedy, right? Yeah, I've done stand up. Um, I haven't done it in a while here. I mean, Miami's not really was the uh, stand-up capital, but I've, I've performed in New York and I've done also some in LA, but now, and especially since COVID, I did perform right before that, okay. but you know, I'm thinking about getting, getting back on the stage. So cool. We'll yeah. I like it. So what, what is next for you? What are you going to write in? Are you writing another book? Are you? What's well, happening? it's interesting. Cause I've written a few other books that were not published. Um, so it's either a question of rewriting one of those and making that work, you know, making it more current and relevant or just completely starting something new. But whatever it is, I it will be a humor book. Um, the other books I wrote before this were, well, I'm not going to get into that, but one was about addiction, but a totally different angle. But I, you know, I wanted to write about rehab and... So I don't know, I, maybe about relationships, something humorous about relationships, dating, men, dark humor, something <laughs> like that. I have a lot, I have a lot in my brain and I have a lot of notes. So we'll see. Awesome. Yeah. Pam, if you were going to share something about the whole subject of marijuana and, you know, the long-term effects, what would you want to share with people? <sighs> you know, there's so many... I think I I can't speak about long-term like negative effects, but you know, it's definitely not good for your lungs the way that I smoked. But um, I know there's edibles now and people eat, you know, take those. That's a different story. But I think it's, you know, it's hard for me to, you know, I think so many people don't understand how you could be addicted, how like I was and so many people smoke marijuana and they're fine. And they have fun and they enjoy it and it calms them down or it helps their medical issues or whatever it does or, you know, and that's great. So I don't want to like say anything negative because that that's all real. And if that works for you, that's great. But I think there's also a lot of addicts that that smoke a lot. And I, you know, I know people that do. And even though I, I took it to such an extreme that I made myself physically sick and I think that you have to just have awareness if you're an, if you're an addict and also 
you know, it's just not, it's not good for you. It, it, I couldn't think I couldn't, you know, speak, like I was just a zombie. And I think, you know, long-term, I'm sure it's not great for anybody, but if you, if you can manage it, great. Like my life was unmanageable doing that. So, you know, it's, it might be hard for people to understand, but like I had a vape pen, like, like an IV, like it was just attached to my mouth, you know? So I, you know, I would just say to people, be careful. And I also think, and this is me being very judgmental, but I know a lot of people that smoke a lot of pot and even though they're functional and they're fine, I think they would be so much more productive and, and alive if, if they didn't, but that's just my opinion. Well, I think it's interesting that you say that. I grew up in the 70s, and we've talked many times about how the pot in the 70s was not the pot of today, and the THC levels are way higher. But I always remember, I could always tell someone who smoked a lot of pot. I could always tell. Mm -hmm. And it's like you say, there was a, you know, there was a kind of a lack of, of productivity. There was a lack of um, intention or motivation that I would observe in people that I, that I could tell. And you also made another point when you were talking about how some people can maybe smoke it and be okay with it. It's the same thing with alcohol. Some people can have a glass of wine and stop. And some people, they have a glass of wine and they can't stop. And so then it becomes, it becomes detrimental. Well, I appreciate you talking to us today. I appreciate you sharing your story. And I, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to looking at your book. I think it sounds interesting that the title, tell, say the title. I said it in your intro. Uh, the title is Don't Bring Your Vibrator to Rehab. <laughs> you make me want to ask you, and did you? No, I mean, I got the title <laughs> because when I was interviewing rehabs, they all send you information and it's everyone has a list of things to bring and not to bring. And one of them said under not to bring sexual devices. Okay. So I just thought that was funny. And I went with that. You know, I was going to call it don't bring your teddy bear to rehab, but vibrator is better. <laughs> it's, it's way funnier. And it's yeah. available on Amazon and anywhere, right? People can get books. Barnes and Noble, Amazon, wherever you buy your books online. Yes. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much, Pam. I appreciate again, just sharing your story. It's, you know, and I, I really appreciate that the, that you have good commentary on marijuana because definitely not excited about it being legalized everywhere. Don't think it's a great idea. Agreed. And so we'll take some flack and there you go. Don't really care. want people to be clean and sober. So shoot (laughs) us. There you go. Anyway, you have a great rest of the week and month, and thank you again. Thank you so much. Fascinating interview. I, this, as I said in the interview, and I'm going to say it again, this pandemic is extremely serious. People are dying. Um, I like the fact that Pam has brought in a little bit of humor into her own story. And if it can maybe lift people up and maybe give them some hope, well, then that's what we want. Um, Once again, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on YouTube and also subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. We're going to be back again. We're going to have a few more people talking about the um, Purdue-Sackler fiasco criminal activities. That'll be next week. And yeah, we'll talk to you again. You have been listening to The Addiction Podcast. 
point of no return. For more information, reach out to us on Facebook or go to www.theaddictionpodcast.com. Our email is theaddictionpodcast at yahoo.com.